An Ohio state representative last night said she was going to make a referral to the International Criminal Court to have Donald Trump tried for crimes against humanity. The tweet she put out received something like 63,000 retweets, and it is completely insane for many reasons. Now, the reason she the reason she wanted Trump to be tried is that he was touting a combination of drugs, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, which is being recommended in many countries. And Trump has said it may work, it may not. But the media, in their desperate attempt to constantly make the president look bad, have smeared him over and over again. They tried smearing him, saying that because some woman and her husband ate fish tank antiparasitics, that it was somehow Trump's fault because he was touting this drug. They take him out of context. And then when the American people start to see through the media lies, what happens? The media shuts off his press events. Well, there's a side effect to the media smears. The Democrats end up eating all of this nonsense up, believing it. Because there are polls that show, and we've seen many of them, Democrats tend to trust the press. Conservatives tend not to. So the media, their game is to get clicks. If Trump comes out and says it, it must be wrong no matter what. That's what they do. And now it's backfiring. The data shows that there are positive results in many studies for the, uh, with the use of azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine. Now in New York, they're seeing positive results and it is being used to treat people. And now some of these governors who recently said, no, no, we can't allow this are now saying, please, please, we need this medicine. It's being recommended in other countries. The CDC says so. But people like this, this woman, her name is Tavia Galansky. She just reads the news and believes it all. But their goal isn't to inform you. It's to shock you into giving them ratings. And now it is backfiring horribly. It goes beyond this, though. Democratic strategists are worried right now that their attack ads against Trump are going to backfire. It's because the American people are tuned in right now. They got nothing else to do. So they are watching the news. They're listening to what the president has to say. And many of them are seeing the flip flopping from the media makes no sense. They'll say Trump didn't, you know, Trump's travel ban is bigoted and, he sh- and it's not going to do anything anyway. And then a month later, they're like, actually, the travel ban isn't strong enough. I assure you, in about a month or so, or I'd be willing to make the bet, all of the media naysayers on this drug treatment, assuming that, you know, the trend continues and the positive results continue, will flip and say Trump didn't do enough to get us this medication. For the time being, we are going to see resistance type people embarrass themselves with ridiculous assertions like Trump is committing manslaughter. I kid you not. I've got the tweets. And these Democrats saying Trump should be charged with, you know, crimes against humanity. That's actually what they're doing. So let's do this. I want to walk you through this. And I also want to point out that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this part of the story. Joe Biden, the attack ads on the Democrats, it is a shame. We are in a crisis right now, and all they can do is try to investigate the president or put out fake ads against him. And it's going to backfire, and they know it. They were warned, and now the strategists are concerned. It's actually starting to backfire. Let's take a look at this first story, which is going viral, which is absolutely insane. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's several ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, share this video. It really does help the channel grow. YouTube, they, they play silly games with their algorithm. They almost never surface independent content. You're going to get mainstream media. So if you share this, it helps my channel survive. Also, make sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell, and hit the like button if you do think my content is worth watching. The Hill reports, Ohio lawmaker says she'll press charges, she'll press crimes against humanity charge against Trump over hydroxychloroquine promotion. 
Ohio State Rep. Tavia Galanski said that she will make a referral to the crimes, uh, a referral for crimes against humanity over President Trump's promotion of the anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for the novel coronavirus, despite its unproven benefits and lack of long-term food and drug administration approval. Lack of? They've actually already approved it, the Hill. I can't take it anymore. I've been to the hog. I'm making a referral for crimes against humanity tomorrow, she tweeted late Sunday. Today's press conference was the last straw, Galanski added. I know the need for a prosecution referral when I see one. Oh, and I'm going to show you what she's referring to in that press conference. It's sad. Galanski, who represents the Akron area, told the Ohio Capital Journal on Sunday that she had no idea how she was going to go about such a referral. Oh, okay. How hard can it be? Galanski, a former magistrate in the Summit Count, the Summit Count Common Pleas Court added. Trump has repeatedly promoted hydroxychloroquine, which is approved to treat conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus as a potential treatment for the coronavirus, which the FDA said last week has led to a shortage of the drug. At a press briefing late Sunday, the president recommended the drug despite limited evidence of its efficacy in the treatment of the virus, saying, what do we have to lose? I'm not looking at it one way or another, but we want to get out of this. If it does work, it would be a shame if we didn't do it early. Trump basically gave this wager. He said, we know the drug is safe because it has been approved for other uses. We know anecdotally we've, that, that, that there are positive results. If we prescribe this, it's not going to harm people because the doctors are going to tell them. And if it doesn't do anything, well, it's a shame. If it does do something, then we should absolutely use it. Now, that's not completely logically sound, but you get the point. It's mostly based on the fact that other countries are recommending this. And Trump has said, look, if they're doing it in China and in Europe, we should at least take their data to, uh, into consideration and consider using this medication for which the media has smeared Trump relentlessly. And, I, well, and I'll show you. The National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director Anthony Fauci has, re- has reportedly been at odds with the White House trade advisor Peter Navarro about promoting hydroxychloroquine and said Sunday that its benefits remain largely unknown. The data are really just at best suggestive. There have been cases that show there may be an effect, and there are others that show no effect, Fauci said on CBS's Face the Nation. So I think in terms of science, I don't think we could definitively say it works. Ohio Department of Health Director Amy Acton has asked residents of the state not to seek hydroxychloroquine prescriptions unless they have a medical need. The state board of pharmacy has also implemented an emergency rule restricting access to the drug after a wave of stockpiling by Ohioans following Trump's comments. Now, that's not on Trump if people do things that are insane. No, look, if Trump says nothing, they say he's downplaying. And if he comes out and says something, they'll say he's causing fear mongering. He's fear mongering. If Trump doesn't talk about this in a month, they'd be like, why wouldn't Trump get this medication out? And if he does, they say he's causing people to hoard. There's just no way that Trump could actually address this. But guess what? The Democrats are starting to fall for this and they're starting to recognize it's backfiring. Let's take a look at that press conference. Trump blocks Fauci from answering question about drug Trump is touting. Now, this is where we can see it's the media at fault. Anthony Fauci was once again, once again asked about the medical evidence. Trump steps in. Standing at the microphone, Fauci opened his mouth. But before he could speak, the answer came out of Trump's instead. Oh, heavens. Do you know how many times he's answered that question, Trump? Can in maybe 15. A tight smile stretched across Fauci's face. His eyes, framed by a pair of wire-rimmed glasses, flicked quickly to Trump. Oh, I just, I can't stand when the journalists do this narrative writing. I don't care about how you describe his rimmed glasses and he flicking at Trump. Just tell us what happened. 
Fauci's smile just for a moment with, was all teeth now. Trump raised his finger sternly, telling the journalist, you don't have to ask the question. And so Fauci didn't answer it. And the new news conference shuffled along. The unexpected interruption was an extraordinary moment, even in the season of brash behavior exhibited by the president during his daily briefings. While Trump has been at odds with Fauci in the past, repeatedly clouding his administration's public health messaging, the president has never shut down his top medical experts so abruptly and publicly before, intervening to keep him from answering. In other contexts, the president routinely calls on Fauci for medical questions. He was interrupting because the media won't shut up about this. They keep asking the exact same questions over and over again. And no, Fauci has even said they're not at odds. They're on the same page about this. Trump has said it may work. It may not work. It may work. It may not work. Trump said, I feel good about it. That I, I feel good about. That's all it is. It's a feeling. That's it. Could you imagine having a president who told you there was no hope ever? Fauci is giving us his medical opinion. I respect it. He said that the, there's, there's no hard data yet. It's anecdotal. That's fair. Trump makes a point from a, from a presidential standpoint where he's trying to give people hope. But what do we get from, from the resistance? You're going to love it. You got to love it. Glenn Kirshner, Trump's conduct. He's responding to Tavia Galensky, by the way. Trump's conduct easily satisfies all three elements of involuntary manslaughter. In fact, his gross negligence is beginning to look a lot more like conduct evincing a conscious disregard of an extreme risk of death, serious bodily injury. The standard for depraved heart, second degree murder. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I can't do it anymore. Trump could be charged with second degree murder. Oh, 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 heavens. Really? Come on, man. This is insane. How insane. Trump's like, there's a, there's a treatment being used around the world. We should look into it. Murder, I say. Oh, man. I'm sorry for yelling into the microphone. You know what? Take a look at this. Hydroxychloroquine rated most effective therapy by doctors for a coronavirus global survey. Drug known for treating malaria used by doctors, mostly for high-risk COVID uh, patients. So there are many doctors saying, hey, okay, you know, how about this one? How about another story? LA doctor seeing success with hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19. Oh, Oh, heavens, could it be that there are doctors recommending this? Trump then comes out and says, hey, maybe we should look into this. And then the resistance says Trump should be charged with murder and crimes against humanity. Oh, I love it. These people are out of their minds. Can't they don't they get tired of being wrong all the time? I just don't understand when the CDC says this on the CDC.gov website, a study in China reported that chloroquine treatment of COVID-19 patients had clinical and virological benefits versus a comparison group. And chloroquine was added as a recommended antiviral for treatment of COVID-19 in China. Based upon limited in vitro and anecdotal data, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine are currently recommended for treatment of hospitalized COVID-19 patients in several countries. Both chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine have known safety profiles with the main concerns being cardiotoxicity, prolonged QT syndrome, with prolonged use in patients with hepatic and renal dysfunction and immunosuppression, but have reportedly well tolerated, but have been reportedly well tolerated, tolerated in COVID-19 patients. You want to talk about Fauci, your expert? How about the CDC, your expert organization? How about all the countries that are using this? Look, I'm not saying it's a cure. I don't know. I can only defer to the medical experts. But what's fascinating to me 
is that YouTube has put out guidelines about what I, I am not allowed to talk about. And they say, I'm not allowed to go against medical and scientific consensus on coronavirus. Well, I wouldn't anyway. I defer to the experts. And the experts are saying it actually looks pretty good. From the politicians to the health experts, they're saying it looks pretty good. So how about this, YouTube? Why don't you go to all these YouTube channels that keep saying it's bad and ban them? Oh, what's that? When you go to the front page of YouTube, they give you mainstream media. Wonderful. Which is why I've said, if you like this video, consider sharing it. Because I'll show you the actual CDC website saying Trump ain't wrong. In fact, they won up Trump. Trump said it might work. It might not. But I'm hopeful. Well, the CDC actually says several countries are using it and it's well tolerated. And China's actually using it for treatment. That's one more than what Trump said. Incredible, isn't it? Take a look at this. Thousands of New York COVID patients are being treated with anti-malarial drug. Oh, you don't say. And what was the result? Andrew Cuomo says today, use of anti-malarial drug in New York hospitals, anecdotally positive. Excellent. So what's the big problem? Why would Trump be charged with crimes against humanity by the hog, the International Criminal Court, when countries in Europe and China are using it? What crime against humanity for saying, hey, maybe it'll work? I don't know. And the CDC saying, sure, these people have lost their minds. Trump charged with second degree murder. I tell you what, the Democrats need to panic. This is from the Washingtonian. Trump's approval rating has reached a high not seen in 1,108 days. I'm going to stop you right there in the aggregate. It's never been higher. It's gone down a little bit. Some new polls have come out. But hey, Trump's still trending higher than he's ever been, especially in his dealings with the coronavirus. Check this out. I'm not saying, I, look, you know, I've done a ton of videos about Democrats panicking. Here's another article. Now, I, I love showing the RCP average. Um, I try to do it as often as I can because it's updated regularly. But we can see here that 49.8% approve, 47.7% disapprove in Trump's handling of the coronavirus. So if you want to come out and screech Trump should be charged with crimes against humanity, go look at the polls. You are in the minority. The Hill says Democrats struggle to keep up with Trump messaging on coronavirus. That's because the only card they've ever played is that Trump is wrong no matter what he does. But that can't be possible, can it? This is the weird world you know, that, that, that we're living in where You've got some people who think Trump's not that bad. You don't got to like him. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of the world I occupy. Whatever this is, they've chased themselves off the rails. They're off the cliff. The Democrats, their base is being chased into nonsense by the media. It's, you know, the, the, these media outlets, and I, I know not everybody, I've got an article I want to show you to give some credit to some people. You know, uh, The Hill, for instance, has been, has, been, has been okay on some things. But you have these people like at the New York Times and the Washington Post, the people in the press corps, they ask Trump nonsense questions. He's always wrong no matter what he does. They, dis, they, they discount evidence. Or people like Jim Acosta who just stand up to rant and don't even actually ask any real questions. That's what we're getting from the press. And so long as the Democrats chase after that narrative, and so long as their only strategy is I'm going to obstruct the president, they're never going to get ahead. It's just never going to happen. They've been warned about this. Quartz writes on March 28th, ads attacking Trump's coronavirus response could backfire. Of course they could. The American people are watching in real time what's happening. They're bored. They want to know when they can get, when they can get their lives back. You know, to a lot of people in this country, work is their life. And you'll, you'll hear from a lot of these activists. I, I can't stand it. They say Americans have an un- unhealthy, you know, uh, relationship with work. Sure, whatever. I love working. I love being productive. I love doing things. To me, everything is part of my bigger goal. Everything I do is, is, is you know, stepping up to do better. 
and people like that. And right now, a lot of people can't. There are a lot of people who are sitting at home saying, I want to get back out there doing my thing. I want to, I want to save the world. I want to build. I want to create. I want to help people. So they can't. What do they do? They obsess over what the president is doing to get the job done. Guess what? The polls show they like it for the most part. So when the Democrats come out off message with attack ads that make no sense, what do you think's going to happen? They're going to say, what are you talking about? The president's doing what he can do. Can't you just shut up and pitch in? Look at it this way. Here's how I see it. You got, you got a guy, you got a big fire, right? Your house is on fire and there's a big orange man and he's kind of a jerk and he's bailing water and he's saying this water over here, it's a little murky, but we're going to try it. We're going to try and splash the fire with it. And I'm like, okay, dude, I get it. Splash the water, please. And you got some people in his administration talking about how they're splashing all this water. And then along comes Schumer and this Golonsky lady, and they're just yelling. Then, then Pelosi comes up and says, I'm forming an oversight committee to talk about whether or not Trump is, is bailing water properly, is, is, you know, is throwing the water properly on the fire. And Adam Schiff says, after this is done, we're going to investigate you for your throwing fire. You're throwing water on the fire. And I'm just like, dude, I don't care about any of that. Put the fire out, please. Can you guys just grab a bucket and start throwing water? Could the Democrats please, like Schumer? So, so here's what happens with Schumer. He's proposing a coronavirus czar. Thank you. Now, I'm wondering why you need to do that, because Trump has a task force. He wants to form a second task force. But this is actually okay. This is a good thing. I respect Schumer for at least saying like, hey, I got an idea. I know somebody who could actually help with this. Do you need my help? It's fine if Trump says no. I got no, I'm not going to get mad at Trump for saying no. If you're putting out a fire and someone comes by and says, hey, I can, I can try and get some more water. And you're like, no, no, actually we got a ton already. I'm like, all right, man, let me know what you need. That's what I want to see. So is what Schumer doing perfect? Not really, but I'm a, I appreciate that he's here now saying, you know, here, here's my idea to help. Instead, from the other Democrats like Pelosi and Schiff, what do we get? Investigations. Yeah, well, that's not going to pay off. Joe Biden, you're not going to win. Democrats need to pretend, stop pretending that they can be adversarial to Trump, especially right now. Joe Biden's nonsensical gibberish is not helping his cause. Team Trump is happy to share. Earlier today, Joe Biden... It just keeps happening. Now is not the time to think you can score points for your side, especially when your candidate is Joe Biden. Now is the time to say, let me grab a bucket and pitch in to put this fire out. That's it. That's all you're going to do. Now, look, if, if you had someone like, I don't know, not Joe Biden, and you wanted to say, like, we could do a better job, I'd be cool with it. But Joe Biden, it's just this, this video going around today where he says something like, I don't even know what he said. He's not saying cohesive sentences. He's just muttering. I know it might seem like I'm being mean, but if you haven't heard what he said, trust me, he said something. I don't even know. Do they have the quote here? What did he say? We cannot let this. We've never allowed any crisis from the Civil War straight through the pandemic of 17 all the way around 16. We have never, never let our democracy sakes second fiddle. Way they, we can both have a democracy and correct the public health. What? <laughs> What are you trying to do, man? I can't believe the media is protecting this guy to an extent. I, I, you know, you've got the media trying to just keep a straight face about this. But let's be real. People in media are absolutely trying to help Joe Biden. Let's be honest with everyone. There should be no story coming out about talking about what he said. I see these stories and they're like, Joe Biden touts the need to, to resist the crisis and stand up in, in trying times. No, he didn't. He muttered incoherently that we've uh, never let our democracy sakes second fiddle. What does that mean? I looked it up. I don't know. 
Did he mean take second fiddle? Is that this, this, the phrase? Instead, what, what you get from the press is they'll, they'll correct what Joe Biden said and in, 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 they'll put in what they think he was trying to say. Instead of just saying Joe Biden mutters incoherently with gibberish words that aren't English, they'll say Joe Biden says America will not be second best. That's, that's not it. So you, you see how they play this game. No matter what Trump says, it's wrong. Even if the CDC and all these other countries are saying it's not wrong, the media will say it is. Then Joe Biden comes out, mutters and mumbles, and they'll say, here's what he really meant. They'll call for investigations and do nothing to help. And then the best we can hope for are these resistance people saying Trump should be charged with murder. They're lying to Joe, uh, Joe Biden, PolitiFact. Video shows President Donald Trump saying COVID-19 is, a, is Democrats' new hoax. PolitiFact, false. Yeah, we get it, man. None of this is real life. The only thing they can do is obstruct. And you need to remember that at the end of the year. I'm not saying Trump's a good president. I'm not saying he's the person you should vote for. But I'm, 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 I'm almost, I'm not even at the point where, where Joe Rogan is. Do you see what, uh, what Joe Rogan said recently? I did a video about it. He said he'd rather vote for Trump over Biden because you don't even know where Biden's going to be in a year. I've never even gone that far. I said I won't vote for Joe Biden. I never said anything about getting close to voting for Trump. Joe Rogan's got no problem saying it. He's the perfect example of Bernie or bust. He's a, he's, but he's sane and rational. He's right. Dare I say, I agree with him. I would rather vote for Trump over Biden. I'm not saying I would, and I'm not saying Joe Rogan would either. But I can't imagine that at the at the end of this crisis, in, you know, come November, we're going to look back and be like, I appreciate all the obstructing that the Democrats did. You know, they held up the bill for a week. They launched a bunch of investigations. They did very little to help. And then they demanded that Trump be charged with crimes against humanity. I'm glad they did that while, while everything was falling apart. I'm glad that Democrat Bill de Blasio told everyone to go out and have a big gathering. I'm glad that the the you know, the, the chair of the health committee in New York told everyone to defy the coronavirus scare and go out and, and have and celebrate. I'm happy that Nancy Pelosi went out at the end of February, February 24th, and told everyone to come to Chinatown and smile and shake hands and do all that stuff. Trump never did that. You can argue that Trump downplayed it too much. I think that's fair. But Trump formed the task force. He was sure to travel from China. He never encouraged people to go out, shake hands and hug each other in downtown. That was Democrats who did that. I'm not even going to blame. I'm going to be fair. Look, I I bring that up to make a point. I don't hold it against to to us, you know, for the most part. I don't hold it against Bill de Blasio for not understanding the severity. Nobody did. China lied to us. They didn't tell us what was really going on. They were hoarding medical supplies. I'm not going to hold it against Bill de Blasio. I'm not a big fan of the guy, but I think I I don't believe he he, he wants people to hurt. I think he's, he's trying to figure out what to do. And it's a very difficult situation. The same is true for Cuomo, for Newsom, for Trump. And so long as everyone's on board with trying to solve this problem, then I'm going to stand behind them and say, let me know when you need me to throw that bucket on the fire, because that's what I'm going to do. But for now, calling for Trump to be charged with murder, the people in the media who are sitting there just trying to ask random questions for the sake of looking useful, dude, if you want to ask Trump why they haven't shut down grocery stores, I got something you can do to, to you know, to, I, I, I got something for you that can be a better use of your time. You know what's a better use of time? Learn how to sew, make some face masks. Oh, you've never sewn before? Hey, I'll tell you what, learning how is more useful than wasting time asking Trump questions. But better yet, when you write these stories saying that, you know, Trump is getting people killed or whatever because of hydroxychloroquine, when you downplay this, instead of recognizing that several countries have, have you know, recommended this and you, tr- look, listen, 
If these countries are saying it's a treatment, then the appropriate reporting would be for now, it looks like there's some positive effects. Be careful. You want to make sure your doctor, uh, you know, uh, prescribes you the correct dosage and, and he knows best. Trump is correct. It may work. It may not. The CDC says there's positive results. Now you'll need a doctor to tell you the appropriate, appropriate dosage because you got to understand you weigh different than somebody else. You're taller than shorter than somebody else. The media doesn't do that. They just scream orange man bad. And what you'll get is a a, a mentally deranged group of people, Trump derangement syndrome, Trump anxiety disorder, whatever you want to call it. And then they'll come out screaming Trump must be tried for, for crimes against humanity. But it's not sane life. It's not real life. It's not. It, you, you can disagree with Trump on this and say, no, 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 I, th- I don't think you should be recommending that, man. People are going to freak out. That's that's OK, too. But this murder charges, they've lost it, man. They've completely lost it. The media owes an apology to Tom Cotton. The media owes an apology to, to a lot of us. Tom Cotton was, you know, raising red flags in January and they smeared him for it. They smeared him relentlessly. It's It's insane. They said that he was bringing up weird conspiracies about bio labs and all that stuff. Now the Washington Post is actually writing about this. And although they didn't apologize to him because it's different writers, they bring up that, yeah, Tom Cotton had a good point. The mainstream media is now entertaining the possibility that the coronavirus emerged from a lab that was doing research, not as a bioweapon or anything silly like that, but that there are bio labs in China, in Wuhan, very close to the market, and they were researching this stuff. It's a possibility. That's the Washington Post reporting that. But this is what we end up getting. I'll give a shout out to The Atlantic. April 5th, just, just the other day. It's not all bad. There are some good writers. Nadia Shadlau writes, consider the possibility that Trump is right about China. Critics are letting their disdain for the president blind them to geopolitical realities. Absolutely on point. 100%. Will Trump be arrested in the, or, or tried by the International Criminal Court? No. You must be a child living in La La Land to believe that's ever going to happen. You know why? Because you, let me just point out George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. And you want to talk about the, the absurdities. Trump recommending, you know, that the FDA look into a treatment is murder. Spare me, man. Welcome to 2020. It's been a heck of a ride so far. And we got three more quarters to go. I'm looking forward to it, I guess. I'll see you all at 6 p.m., youtube.com slash Timcast News. It is a different channel. Thanks for hanging out. For obvious reasons, the coronavirus is hitting Democratic areas much harder than conservative areas. There are a few polls that came out that I felt were kind of misleading that tried to make it seem like conservatives were being stupid. They basically said that conservatives not only weren't preparing for this, but that they didn't actually think they would get infected or they didn't think there was a high risk. Now, the media framed it as though Republicans were listening to Trump, so they weren't paying attention. Thus, they didn't think they could get sick and they didn't bother preparing. In reality, many conservatives probably already have supplies, especially those who live in rural areas. And the reason why many of them are not concerned about catching the coronavirus is because they don't live in New York City or any other big city for that matter, because it is a fact for obvious reasons that the coronavirus is hitting big urban areas. Look, big cities tend to be left leaning higher population density, more people getting sick, higher opportunity to get sick, rural areas. I've, st- I've heard stories from people who say that their neighbor is a couple blocks away, half a mile away, even miles away. Yeah, I'm not surprised these people aren't really concerned about catching it. They have supplies because they only go to the store every so often. 
You know, I'm talking to people in rural areas right now who are telling me, get out, Tim, you got to get out of the cities. And they say, oh, the place I'm at doesn't even have a grocery store. How do you get food? We got to drive about a 45, 45 minute, minute drive. You go, you, you, you stock up as much as you can. You go only a couple times a month. And I'm like, naturally, these people don't have a lot of contact. They're not super worried about it. What we're seeing now is that a combination of high density areas plus I'm going to say liberal sensibilities and policies are going to completely disrupt and potentially destroy the economies and the lives of many people in in these urban districts. Now, it's mostly because they're just cities. But when you combine the fact that they're high density with the liberal policy and the liberal mindset, I shouldn't even say liberal, but more leftist, they're particularly vulnerable. And I'll show you what I mean. Take a look at this story. Coronavirus hits Democratic communities harder than Republican counterparts from March 20th. Well, this, I think, is fairly obvious. As I stated, we all kind of get it. But let's see what that results in. This is a story from BuzzFeed. A management company emailed hundreds of tenants demanding they pay rent. It backfired. BuzzFeed News spoke to people across the nation about how they are negotiating, some successfully, for lower rents as the coronavirus leaves millions without jobs. Now, I understand right now people are out of work and they can't pay their rent. But you understand too that the rental management companies, they pay for utilities, maintenance, security, you know, just general keeping the place nice and tidy, paying utilities. I said that already. Taxes. There's a lot of things that go into running a, a, you know, management business for properties. The left would say that landlord isn't a job. And that's the excuse they use to say, I should not have to pay rent. The problem is that every every piece of the economy is stitched together. There's no one you know part of the economy that's in a vacuum. Everyone provides a service in some capacity, and it all roots down to the essential services. If you live in a building and you pay rent, there's probably a mortgage on that building. There's a janitor, you know, a, a custodian or a building manager, depending on the size of the building you live in. Now, of course, because people on the left think that landlord isn't a job and they don't understand how economics works. When everyone gets you know, hit from this, they say, we're not going to pay rent. Do you know what happens next? This is, the, this is a domino effect in, a, in the ripple of the collapsing economy. And do you know where it leads us? Nurses and doctors are getting pay cuts and they're getting laid off. So this does jump back to some things that Donald Trump has been talking about. The cure can't be worse than the disease. We might have to get our economy back up and running. We might have no choice. He's completely right. But how you balance the difficult decision of when to open the economy versus the coronavirus deaths, I don't know what to tell you. But I will tell you this. I'm going to read you this story about, about people not wanting to pay rent. Why? Because the company, the, the, the management company sent them a letter saying, you still got to pay rent. And they were like, oh, yeah, rent strike because you can't evict us. Well, they can evict you after this is all over. But, but guess what? There are other employees who work for these rental management firms. This is what I was warning about all throughout March or to the end of March. When rent was due on the first or, you know, it's between like the around the first week and not everybody pays rent on the same day. You're going to see a major explosion in the in the disruption of the economy, because first you had the service industry cut off, retail industry cut off. Now you're seeing basic, you know, building management companies, real estate all being cut off. The next wave of individuals to have no money and no jobs is coming because these people can't or won't pay rent. I can completely respect many people cannot pay rent. And I don't know what you do about that. The stimulus package is coming. Perhaps you should pay rent if the government is going to guarantee your wages for four months and cut you a bonus check of twelve hundred bucks. Some people might even get six hundred bucks on top of their unemployment, in which case that's why you should pay your rent. But of course, they don't want to. 
It's a combination of the high density urban area, but their politics. Let's check it out. BuzzFeed writes, Nyla Houtsey, 24, lost most of her income as a freelance photographer, videographer, and event planner when all Californians were ordered to stay home. To help stop the spread of the coronavirus, she had to cancel an event she organized in the Bay Area and refund customers for the tickets they had already purchased. Any events she was hired to photograph were scrapped. I also know many people who are videographers, photographers, all lost their gigs. So now they're broke. So I, I, I get it. I respect it. Houtsey, who lives in Culver City, had about a month's worth of rent saved. Her roommate, Alex Mercier, 26, lost his job in mid-March. A third roommate had not been around much since the stay-at-home policy was announced. And Houtsey didn't know whether he was going to pay his share. On March 31st, the day before rent was due, an official at the company, Saturn Management, emailed tenants telling them they were still required to pay rent and there would be consequences if they didn't. The governor of California has instituted an emergency ordinance relating to the payment of rent that, al- that although delays eviction for non-payment of rent, it does not prohibit an eviction for non-payment of rent in the future. Rents are still due, it said. But the company seemed to make a big mistake. It failed to BCC the more than 300 tenants, which would have concealed all their email addresses, or they didn't think they needed to, but they probably should have because you don't want to, you know, give someone someone else's email address. Armed with that information, the Saturn management tenants became the latest group of renters among many throughout the country who are organizing a strike. While these can be risky and end in eviction proceedings, the coronavirus has left many people with no income and little choice than to not pay rent. Activists who have organized rent strikes for years told BuzzFeed News that these actions may be more effective now because unemployment numbers have skyrocketed to historic highs and a larger number of tenants have an incentive to join rent strike movements. This is the entitlement of leftist ideology. When they go on Twitter and say landlord isn't a job, they're basically saying, I don't know what, what, what's required in the, man- in the management of properties. This is, these are the same kind of people who think you can just take an empty house and put a homeless person in it. They don't seem to realize that buildings fall apart, that you know, there's, there's crime, that there's building maintenance utilities, the things I've mentioned you know, 50 billion times already in this video. When, when you buy property, this is what people don't get, especially investment property. They also have to hire somebody typically to manage the property. So let's say someone buys an investment house. I'm not a big fan of investment properties, but it, whatever, fine. So let's say somebody buys an extra house and they have it somewhere, you know, very far away from them. They can't just leave it empty. Somebody will come in, smash the windows. They'll break stuff. They have to hire someone because also things fall apart. Animals break in, bugs. There could be a, a pipe could burst. And then what? So I, I know people who've recently had pipe, pipes burst in their apartments and water sprays everywhere. What do you do? Oh, but landlord isn't a job. Then you deal with it. No, you call the landlord. They know the building. What people also don't realize is that if you're only planning on living in a place for one year, then yes, landlord is a job because they have to manage that property for 30 plus years, especially if they have a mortgage on it. So the person who owns it says, you're going to pay a little bit more. I'm going to make a, a small profit managing the property. It's work. I have to hire people. That's the job. I'm sorry. But in their minds, not understanding how this works, they're just like, why can't I just be in this property? Because they don't understand that the city is paying, you know, uh, for services to that property, that there's property taxes involved, and it's part of a much bigger system. So they decide to strike. And that will be another domino knocked over in our economy, which leads to, how about this one? U.S. hospital workers to have wages cut by medical staffing company. It's all tied together. 
Now, there's no, I'm not saying there's a direct connection between landlords and, and hospitals, but the people who work for those management companies will now not get paid. They're, the company's going to start laying all of them off. And then once again, as people stop spending money and there are less services and less resources, then the hospitals won't have money either eventually. And that's what's happening. But let's read back about what, what they're saying. BuzzFeed News interviewed tenants organizing in LA and Washington, DC, as well as tenants who successfully got their rent reduced in Brooklyn about how they're organizing. Everyone understands that there is power in numbers and that we're in the unique time. This is what's, what's mind blowing about, about this. Imagine if, so, if there was like a, a food strike and people went to the grocery store and were like, there's more of us than you and we demand free food. They'd be like, get out of our store. You're demanding a service. Somebody did work to provide this hovel for you. And now you're getting all your buddies together and saying, nope, it's ours now. Like, by all means, you can steal the stuff. But when you're being given something that's maintained by someone else, it's not some great, you know, freedom loving movement. You're literally just taking other people's labor. This is different than food. I get it. Shelter is very important. Food is very important. But again, think about the mentality they have where they're like, we have power in numbers. Yeah. So does a mob when they when they go and loot a store during, you know, a depression in New York City, commercial burglaries, let's just call it what it is, looting in a time of crisis are up 75 percent. Is that power in numbers? Could you imagine if all these people went out in New York and like, we shouldn't have to pay for the food in this grocery store. We have power in numbers, smashed all the windows out, just started taking stuff. Yeah, it's true. You do have power numbers. There are things that uh, the kids in Chicago, I see them do, they would raid stores. So they call it a raid. So you have all these kids get out, of, get out of school at the exact same time. They're all 14, 15 years old. And there's like 30 or 40 of them. And they'd be like, hey, you guys want to raid, you know, a 7-Eleven? And they would all run in full, someone would hold the door open. They'd all run in full speed and just grab everything they could and run out full speed because you couldn't stop any of them. That's, that, that's similar to what this is. Let's all get together and, and not pay for the economic services we receive. All right, here's what they say. The Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment has worked for, uh, who has worked for months or uh, months long, who has organized months long rent strikes in Oakland and San Francisco, and who is also a co-founder of Moms for Housing, the group of mothers who occupied an investor owned home in the Bay Area. And after being evicted from it, cut a deal to purchase the home. Her organization has been flooded with requests for help since the coronavirus began destroying the workforce. People are really understanding that if they want to get through this, they have to rely on each other. For uh, 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 She told BuzzFeed News, for the Saturn management tenants, the quick reply alls that excluded the company made it clear that a lot of people would be interested in organizing a rent strike. We can see this tweet. So the company we pay our rent to send out a very condescending mass emails. Now we're all on a, on a, on a, on a, on a rent strike. Ha ha. Yeah. The food delivery service that provides food for the grocery store had its trucks raided. That's what they get. The food should have been free. Now, I'll tell you what, man. At a certain point, everything does break down and you can live in a place and not take care of it for, a, for kind of a long time. So it is different. I'm not trying to, you know, say like, look, food spoils and there's delivery involved. But no, you could build a house. Someone could do all that labor. You know, the trucks come in, takes all the energy, energy, and then you could occupy that house because it's yours and all the labor that went into it. You don't think you should have to pay. But this is similar to the mentality they have with like healthcare being a human right. Well, let's, let's do this. All right. Wait, wait, hold on. Let me, let me read you one more quote. You may not have a job or food, but you better pay rent, one tenant wrote to the other tenants. They quickly realized how powerful it was to have this list of contact information. I don't think they realized it just gave us an incredible organizing tool by giving us every single resident's email from every single building they own. 
A single building doing a rent strike is strong, but residents from every single building unionizing and doing a rent strike is godly. So what happens when the bank starts seizing all the properties? <laughs> then what? Well, but there's an eviction freeze right now, so there's not really anything they can do. But this will absolutely sever another link in the, in the, in the economy. To be, to, to be fair, to point out, some of these people just don't have the money to pay the rent. So the economic severing will, will happen no matter what. The dominoes are falling over. But again, it goes back to this mentality that certain things are rights. Housing is a human right, they say. Well, who's going to build the house? Who's going to maintain the house? These people seem to think that because they're living in a society where they've stood on the shoulders of giants, they're entitled to the shoulders they're standing on, not realizing they might go away. No one has any obligation to hold you up. So yes, there are many buildings that exist. I'll tell you what, go to Detroit, go to Crown Heights, go to Brooklyn, look at all the buildings, go to East New York. There are a ton of empty buildings. By all means, squat in those and you'll get why there is a serious issue with, or I'm sorry, you'll get why landlord is a job. Have None of these people have any understanding. They are naive and they are entitled. COVID-19 hits some healthcare workers with pay cuts and layoffs. And you know what I see on Twitter from this? It's people saying like these nasty corporations, blah, 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 blah. The hospitals? I mean, yeah, hospitals can make a lot of money right now, but they're not cutting pay to their nurses and doctors because they're like, I'm going to make better profits for myself. They're going, well, we have a budget shortfall. We're gonna have to lay everybody off or everyone gets a 20% pay cut. We're going to lay off 10%, 20% of our staff or recover 20% of that money with massive pay cuts. What do you think they're going to choose? Pay cuts first, then layoffs. So let's talk about the economy. All these people are, are looking to say, you know, like Trump says, we got to get the economy going. And they're like, you're going to let old people die. You're going to let these people die and get sick. And it's like, you realize if the economy goes, there won't be nurses or doctors. We're already seeing nurses quit. We're already seeing doctors ask questions about whether they're obligated to actually serve right now. But of course, they think healthcare is a human right. Let me get to the point about what all this is. The, the leftist ideology will be crushed by the coronavirus. We've seen the social justice luxury and vanity politics being crushed already. Is anybody really going to be concerned about what, you know, a letter is in the word woman right now when people are dying? For the most part, no. Your vanity projects are not real. It is not violence when someone called you a silly name. It is, it is serious when someone is in a hospital bed and they're dying. But now we can see what, what, what's going to happen to all these people who think healthcare is a human right. Okay, go to the hospital. And they're going to say, I'm sorry, there's no room. We're out of ventilators. We're out of beds. You have no right to anything because it doesn't exist. That's the funniest thing to me. You know what I always, I always say, and, and many of you may be familiar with this, but for those that aren't, go into the middle of woods, buck naked. Right, let's say you're dropped in the middle of the woods, you're buck naked. Tell me about your rights. All right, I'll tell you what, you, you can yell, you can say whatever you want, no one can stop you. You can defend yourself, you can freely move around, you can literally eat whatever you want to eat. Those are your rights. And you have a right to protect yourself, to be safe. So if an animal comes at you, you know, you protect yourself. If another person does, you still have the right to protect yourself. What about housing? Where's your right to housing? Is it the stump that's been hollowed out? You know, an old big stump? Yeah, okay, I guess. I guess that's, that, that's it. You can go in a cave. No, you want a house? Well, someone has to build that. So how could it be a right if it doesn't exist? What about healthcare? You're walking around, you're alone. There's no right to healthcare. There's no healthcare to be provided by anybody. And let's say you fall down, you break your leg, and you see another person, you say, hey, you, healthcare is my human right. Get over here and fix my leg. They're going to be like, they're going to walk over to you, take whatever stuff you might have, and leave. So it's not a right. It's a privilege. 
that someone else would provide to you their time, energy, and labor to help you. You cannot force people. Of course, that's what Bill de Blasio wants to do. So it's no surprise. He's saying he wants to draft by force, mandatory, 45,000 doctors. Well, nobody thinks that's possible. So now he's pleading and begging. Thank God for the Constitution. And it's still not perfect because we've still had conscription in this country. But now I go back to what we're seeing here. COVID is slamming urban centers where, where the, the big liberal super, uh, strongholds, that's where, that's where they all are. People are fleeing. It's a census year. Think about that. When these people start spreading out into, you know, people from New York start leaving. Not everybody's leaving, but a lot are during a census year. Many people haven't filled out the census. I don't know exactly what will happen, what will happen, but I, I imagine to a certain extent that will reduce the amount of representatives these big urban centers have as people leave. These people will then spread out and dilute into more conservative areas and be very unlikely to displace the, displace the already conservative areas. Now, it is possible, like places where I'm at right now, it's 50-50. It's like half conservative, half liberal in, in the place where I live. And if a bunch of liberals flee the cities and come out here, it will tilt the scales. But there are many red areas and other parts you know, surrounding big cities, suburbs, and more rural areas that are going to absorb these liberals and displace them in the vote. Meaning, I think ultimately, the left is going to be slammed the worst by this in many, many different ways. The main point I want to make about the rent strike, if I, I hope it was clear enough, is that they're just eating themselves. These companies that work in New York are also, you know, typically, well, they're probably more moderate because they understand why being a landlord is a job, but they're still going to be left. They're still going to vote for Democrats and all that stuff. And now it's become a circular firing squad. The cities are going to start eating themselves alive. People are going to flee. They're not going to pay their bills. These, these uh, management companies are going to collapse. It's not just about, this will be interesting. How will, a, you know, if they put a moratorium on mortgages, then these rental companies might not need to pay them, but they still have to pay their staff. They're going to lay their staff off. We see businesses going under completely. There was a really sad post that went viral. It was about like a local family restaurant that was open for, you know, decades, like 40 years, shuttered completely, done, gone, never coming back. A lot of these businesses know they're never going to come back because they can't withstand a month or two months of complete economic shutdown. Many of these businesses hardest hit are in big cities. So what happens? A ripple effect strikes the cities. There's a massive economic downturn in the cities. And for many conservatives, especially people who grow their own food or hunt, they're going to be less impacted by this. They'll stay in, in a much similar place to where they were. Back to the main point. They, they, they try and make it seem like conservatives aren't prepared or aren't worried about this. And it is true. There are a lot of Trump supporters who are downplaying this. And it's very strange to me why they are. But there are a lot. Think about it this way. Who went out to buy guns when 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 news broke? Was it the, 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 the Second Amendment to, uh, uh, cheering gun toting conservative who said, I better go buy a gun right now? Perhaps some really zealous gun owners. But for the most part, the comments I see from people are the gun owners putting their feet up, putting their hands behind their back and saying, <laughs> I've had my guns for years. And then who is buying the guns? Well, in urban centers, gun stores are getting flooded. And a viral video comes out where a gun store owner is like, these first time gun buyers have no idea what they're doing. And they think they can just walk in here and get a gun. Maybe they should have paid more attention when these bills were being put up. People were trying to uh, pass laws to take away your stuff. It's not the conservatives who are rushing to buy guns. They already got them. It's the liberals. The leftist ideology is being crushed under the weight of reality. 
that a lot of the politics they had were vanity politics. Now let's walk some stuff back for a second. This crisis may result in a bolstering of many other leftist ideologies, right? Universal health care, universal basic income, guaranteed income. Spain is toying with universal basic income. We're seeing, uh, you know, a lot of talk now, even from Trump, that perhaps we need to expand Medicaid to all uninsured people because we're in a serious crisis. A crisis may result in a nationalized healthcare system. So some ideas that, that are, are much more simple, like should everybody have access to healthcare and can we afford it, are very different from is landlord a job. But we'll see how things play out. You can absolutely have very conservative people who still believe in universal basic income. That's, it's, it's not, you know, look, we have, uni- we, like, we, we basically have universal firefighting and universal policing. And so universal healthcare is a, is, a, is a possibility, even if someone is an ultra traditionalist, you know, far right, whatever you want to call it. The point is, the, ideology, the, the, the ideas of this like youthful naivety of healthcare being a human right or housing being a human right don't necessarily hold up to scrutiny when the collapse is upon us. But uh, anyway, I could rant too long on this. Let me just wrap it up. I'll put it this way. The cities are most likely to be infected. The cities are the ones who are going to get slammed by, you know, by the negative economics the worst. And these are the people who are going to have to rethink their own policies or flee the city. So I think there is good reason to believe the left Democrats are going to be crushed and, 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 and splattered. We'll see what happens. I mean, they were already shattered between the progressives and the moderates. I don't know what to expect next, but you get the point. I'll see you on the next segment at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. In what may be the most horrifying story we've gotten yet from the coronavirus pandemic, New York recently announced that they're going to be temporarily burying the dead in New York City parks. Now, this may be contradicted by a spokesperson, but considering I don't necessarily trust the media right now, we've got a direct statement from a New York health official saying they're going to do this. But then we have BuzzFeed saying a spokesperson has denied it. So we'll try and figure out what's really happening. The New York Post reports New York City to begin temporarily burying coronavirus victims in local parks. Now, to avoid, I'm going to go straight to the tweets here. This is Mark D. Levin. He is the chair of New York City, uh, New York City Council Health Committee, representing District 7. He tweeted, New York City's healthcare system is being pushed to the limit. And sadly, now so is the city system for managing our dead. And it too needs more resources. This has big implications for grieving families and for all of us. New York City's city morgue is the, is the uh, New York City's city morgue is the office of the chief medical examiner, which luckily is the best in the world. He says, but they are now dealing with the equivalent of an ongoing 9-11. And so are hospital morgues, funeral homes, and cemeteries. Every part of this system is now backed up. A typical hospital morgue might hold 15 bodies. Those are now all full. So OCME has sent out 80 refrigerated trailers to hospitals around the city. Each trailer can hold 100 bodies. These are now mostly full too. Some hospitals have had to add a second or even a third trailer. Grieving families report calling as many as half a dozen funeral homes and finding none that can handle their deceased loved ones. Cemeteries are not able to handle the number of burial requests and are turning most down. It's not just the deaths in the hospitals which are up. On an average day before the crisis, there were 20 to 25 deaths at home in New York City. Now in the midst of this pandemic, the number is 200 to 215 every day. Early on in this crisis, we were able to swab people who died at home 
and thus got a coronavirus reading. But those days are long gone. We simply don't have the testing capacity for the large number dying at home. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. 200 dying at home every day. That's, that's, that's insane. Now only those few who had a test confirmation before dying are marked as victims of coronavirus on their death certificate. This almost certainly means we are undercounting the total number of victims of this pandemic. And still, the number of bodies continues to increase. The freezers at OCME facilities in Manhattan and Brooklyn will soon be full. And then what? Soon we'll start temporary internment. This likely will be done using a New York City park for burials. Yes, you read that right. Trenches will be dug for 10 caskets in a line. It will be done in a dignified, orderly and temporary manner, but it will be tough for New Yorkers to take. The goal is to avoid scenes like those in Italy, where the military was forced to collect bodies from churches and even off the streets. OCME is going to need much more staff to achieve that goal. Thankfully, the Department of Defense and the New York National Guard have already sent teams and volunteer medical examiners have come from around the country. But we are going to need much more help if we're going to avoid disaster. As New York City continues to appeal to the nation for help, we need to ask not just for doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists. We also need mortuary affairs staff. This is tough to talk about and maybe tough to ask for, but we have no choice. The stakes are too high. To recap, nothing matters more in this crisis than saving the living. But we need to face the gruesome reality that we need more resources to manage our debt as well, or the pain of this crisis will be compounded almost beyond comprehension. So Mark D. Levin, chair of New York City Council Health Committee, this is what he has said so far. Perhaps he's saying maybe that's what we'll do. I'm not entirely sure. He, he soon says, he straight up says, soon we'll start temporary internment. Internment, this likely will be done by using a New York City park for burials. Yes, you read that right. Trenches will be dug. It'll be done in a dignified, orderly, temporary manner. But now we have an update here. Whether you want to trust it or not, I'm sorry to say I don't trust BuzzFeed News all that much. I used to give him much more credit. Uh, Tasneem N, verified BuzzFeed News reporter, says, spokesperson for the New York City chief of medical examiner tells me there is currently no plan to inter, uh, inter at city parks at this time. This is in response to the possibility of using New York City parks as temporary burial sites during surge in COVID-19 related deaths. And then we have this HHS DMORT teams, which are in New York City to staff collection points to temporarily hold bodies until funeral homes and morgues can accommodate them, are not involved in any planning for temporary burials in the parks. I don't know who to believe, but I'll tell you what. If it comes straight from Mark D. Levin, who is a government official, I'm going to take that over a spokesperson or BuzzFeed News. I'm sorry, but that's just the reality. Now, Mark D., listen, there's a couple things I'm going to point out as we move on. We've got problems with media and and, poli- and, and the, uh, the uh, and politics. So let's put it that way. The politicization, the politicization of all of this. Take a look at this story. New York City Councilman, coronavirus closure decision weighs major costs against public health risks. This is New York City Councilman Mark Levin said health officials have to consider the ripple effects of any decision to close schools or implement travel restrictions. It's from March 11th. We can see that nobody predicted this. And even going back to March 11th, there was concerns about what the repercussions would be for shutting down the economy. The reason I bring this up is that we are currently at a point where you have two things that are they're, they're kind of the same thing happening. 
the virtue signaling of the media and the left is a desperate attempt to constantly one up each other so they can earn points, get clicks and get traffic or whatever. The reality is nobody knew. Mark Levin, however, has been heavily criticized for a few reasons. Back in February, he tweeted this on February 9th in a powerful show of defiance of coronavirus, the coronavirus scare, huge crowds gathering in New York City's Chinatown for ceremony ahead of annual Lunar New Year parade. Chance of be strong Wuhan. If you are staying away, you are missing out. Tons of photos of people celebrating. Why is it so bad in New York that Mark had to just announce they may bury the dead in New York City parks? And it's being reported far and wide in the press. Well, it's because Bill de Blasio, it's because Mark Levin encouraged people to go into big gatherings. And it's because even when we saw this coming and getting bad, they were still contemplating whether or not a shutdown made sense. And even when Bill de Blasio started saying that maybe we want to do this, Andrew Cuomo, governor, said, get real, and they didn't want to do it. The media would have you believe, though, and the virtue signalers, that Trump is to blame for everything. Trump has maintained the federal government as a backup for the states. But this is all of the political game. It's all part of this political game. It's all part of the social media game. There's a viral tweet right now where some representative is claiming they're going to recommend some kind of international criminal charges for Trump at The Hog in, in, in the Netherlands. Spare me. That's ridiculous. They'd have no jurisdiction over Trump. That makes no sense. But of course, then you see the other resistance, virtuous English, trying to one up everyone else. In response to this, some guy tweeted something to the effect of, as a career prosecutor, I can see that Trump is clearly, you know, uh, you know, he's clearly broken involuntary manslaughter laws, blah, blah, blah. Why would it be Donald Trump's fault? He's the president of the United States. He took action in January and it was Mark Levin and it was Bill de Blasio who are downplaying this. I don't think it's fair to necessarily criticize either of them. I think the media is playing games for, for, to earn some kind of points to get clicks to make money. And it's unfair. It's unfair to a certain degree to criticize everybody. Now, Bill de Blasio really did resist for a long time. And a lot of, and, and Joe Biden, for instance. So we did see Democrats and media across the board. They're now turning that around, trying to point the finger at Fox News and conservatives saying they downplayed it. I don't want to hear it. I really don't. We're talking about a guy who's saying we might start burying the dead in a New York City park. I'll tell you, these cities are in really, really bad shape. If you are in one of these big cities with a very dense, pop, you know, it's a very dense population. Uh, it's, it's got a very dense population, you know, per square mile. Then you are going to see this in, because in Italy, as, as they point out, trucks were coming in and carrying away the dead. But let's let's throw it to the media. Let's throw it to the media right now. And I'll tell you why. I would like to believe it's not true that they're going to be burying the dead. And we have a statement now from two different individuals. I'm sorry, I can't. Because we've had this ongoing problem with, with, with the media and why we can't trust them. So again, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of segue off into a, a media criticism thing here. As much as, as I want to believe we're not going to do this, we just saw you know, an actual government official say this is going to be happening. Take a look at this story. Reporter to Trump, why haven't you closed the grocery stores and pharmacies too? Why would you ask this question? I mean, I think it's a stupid story. That's why I didn't want to you know, lead with it. Why would the media ask this question? Why would a journalist ask Trump? Why don't you shut down the grocery? But people need to eat food and get medicine. What are you talking about? We should shut down and so literally no one can eat. They'll be, they'll, people will riot in the streets. They say, from how to err, because people need to not starve to death. Actually, this question wasn't quite as foolish as it seems, although the proper context doesn't help all that much. In last night's coronavirus briefing, one reporter asked Donald Trump, why the government doesn't just shut down grocery stores and take out restaurants and stop all commerce to kill off the virus. 
Trump offers a non sequitur to the question, perhaps surprised any would, anyone would ask it. We can see this guy here says, as many people have already pointed out on here, a reporter actually asks Trump about shutting down essential businesses like grocery stores. Seriously, here that was. Question. Obviously, we know anyone can spread the disease, right? Unwittingly. So why even have few, a few businesses open? Why not just shut everything down? There are grocery stores that are open, fast food places. Why even take a little chance? Just shut it all down temporarily. Trump said, we'll answer that question later. All I can say is that right now, things are looking really good and opening up with a bang will be a great thing. And there's, there's, uh, and there's nobody going to be happier than me. They say it's a dumb question, but perhaps not for the reason most think. The federal government doesn't have the authority to shut down grocery stores or most other businesses for that matter. The administration has issued and updated guidelines for how to conduct business in the pandemic crisis, but it's up to governors to decide how to implement them. A handful of governors haven't yet issued stay-at-home orders at all, but most, if not all, have limited people to essential businesses, which includes grocery stores, pharmacies, and a limited number of other places of business. That question should have been aimed at governors, not the president, in our Federalist Republic. I don't think it was a good question at all. It's bad enough we had to shut down the entirety of the economy. It's bad enough we're being faced with the real threats we are. But, but l- let me link these together for you and explain why I wanted, wanted to do this. Whether, whether or not it's true we're going to be bearing bodies in New York, I'm, I'm inclined to believe that the, the, the actual official, as much as I don't like necessarily trusting the government, what we're seeing here is a nonsensical question that didn't need to be asked. Everybody knows the answer. First of all, they make a good point. Most people probably don't realize Trump doesn't have the authority to shut down grocery stores, and Trump hasn't instituted a national lockdown anyway. So you're asking a question to the president, he has nothing to do with. But more importantly, why aren't grocery stores being shut down? Because people need to eat food every day. Well, not every day, but, you know, within reason, you need to consistently eat food. And most people eat food every day. It's how they live. Now, do people need to go get their nails done? No, we can shut those businesses down. Why would a reporter ask this question? Two reasons. They, they just want to pretend to be useful because they're not. Nobody needs you to ask that question. It provides nothing to no one. More importantly, it's an up the ante. Almost, it's, it's similar to the virtue signal, like I brought up earlier. It's similar to this desperate attempt to try and say something bigger and worse than someone else. Early on, they'll say, Trump, why don't you consider a national lockdown? And the president would say something like, you know, we've talked about it. We don't want to do it. How do you then one up that person? What about pharmacies? Are you kidding me? Why would you shut down pharmacies? They're prescribing medicines to people who are sick. That's where you go and get the medicine. Why would you shut that down? You can pull up in a drive-thru and the pharmacists can hand you a little bag. You're not, I mean, there's, there's a risk of transmission, sure, but you'll probably be okay driving up, maybe going to a drive-thru pharmacy or whatever. Grocery stores? See, listen, you talk about the pharmacies, it seems absurd when we're in a medical crisis to say we should shut them down. Why would you ask that question? They're just trying to pretend to be useful, which, you know, so, so I don't necessarily believe the journalists and I don't believe them for a couple of reasons. It seems like this dude, Mark Levin, who came out and he's been criticized before saying we, we might do this. Well, that was a rather unexpected candid moment where he just says, hey, you know, we might be doing this. Now, a spokesperson is damage control. It's PR. So I'm not gonna take their word for it let alone the word of a journalist who's relaying the word of a spokesperson. Why, why, why can't we just have the spokesperson come out and say what they, you know, uh, what, what they mean and what they need to say? What we get from the media is a grandstanding spectacle. There's no reason to, to ask for, for a journalist to even ask this. Well, I, I guess to an, I'll give them credit. A journalist probably should ask for clarification. 
But why wouldn't the journalist reach out to Mark Levin and, and, and ask him, you know, what are, why are you saying you're doing this? What's been going on? What's the updates? Instead, they go around him to somebody else who, who's a spokesperson who probably doesn't know as much as the official does. Why, why are the journalists doing this? Controversy, confusion, I honestly don't know. They knew the spokesperson would give them something different. The spokesperson would do damage control. Mark Levin shouldn't have said it. Maybe he's being honest. You can trust whoever you want. But the fact is, it's very hard for us to understand what is going on at all. And I'll throw it to Jim Acosta here. Take a look at that smug face. Washington Free Beacon says he's great at making a scene, not so great at actual reporting. The guy who asked Trump about closing pharmacies and grocery stores is nowhere near as bad as Jim Acosta is. But it's the point I'm trying to make. The journalists aren't trying to get to the truth, unfortunately. They're just trying to pretend to be useful. A government official said, we're doing it. Or he said, we may possibly start doing it, just to be fair. That's all we need. We don't need you to then contact someone else, a spokesperson who's not directly involved. That makes no sense. Why would you do that other than just to try and up the ante and pretend to be useful? Okay, fine. Now, I'll, I'll be fair. All right, dude, this guy is on the you know New York City. He's the chair of the New York City Council Health Committee. Would he know? I'd imagine he would, but fine. You, you can argue whatever. Maybe they should have asked. Some people might think it's okay. I think it's a waste of our time. Hot Air says, in fairness, the question follows up on new guidance from Saturday's briefing in which the administration experts urged Americans to forego pharmacy and grocery shopping over the next two weeks. Dr. Deborah Burks asked everyone to take a pause, even on essential business, while the Pearl Harbor moment com- comes and goes. Perhaps one can make an argument, although the reporter didn't make it explicit in his question that this guidance should have been more of an order. If Americans shouldn't go to the store or pharmacy, why not just have them shut down, shut down their doors for a couple of weeks in a vacuum, detached from law and in, in an academic sense only? That follow-up question makes a little sense. Of course, this has a common sense answer. Not all Americans have the resources to stock up for two full weeks ahead of time. They will still need access to groceries. And okay, you, you get it. I'm not going to miss one super long. Get the point. For, for, I, I'm, I, you know, to an extent, I will uh, apologize for for roping in political and media criticism. But the reason the reason I did is because look, I, I read the story, I read the tweets. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I do this every day, and I'm trying to figure out what's true, and what what's isn't, what, and what isn't. And I see this story where they're saying something truly horrific is about to happen, and we all want to know. And it's my job, or at least I try to, break down what's happening and give you a clear answer. I can't do that. Okay, so all I can really say is they might do it, they might not. What am I supposed to do with this? So I'll give you what my opinion is. I think they're going to do it. I think the government official was being candid. I think the spokesperson is PR. I think the journalist is just trying to muddy the waters. And I'm showing you exactly why I think that's the case. Because unfortunately, most of us don't trust the press right now. And that's a fact. Most Americans disapprove of the job, the media, uh, of their of their handling of this. Most Americans, strangely enough, according to CBS polls, trust Trump a little bit more than they trust the media. I'm just trying to explain why I don't like to have, have to frame it this way and bring this stuff up, but that's just the case. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast. It's a different channel, and I will see you all then. The year is 2018. Brett Kavanaugh was nominated to be a Supreme Court justice, and he must go through a hearing process. But amid this process, he was accused of pinning a woman to a bed when they were teenagers. This resulted in a major controversy, protests, and celebrity actress Alyssa Milano struggled to go to that hearing, saying it was difficult to attend the Kavanaugh hearing, but felt like I needed to be there. That's right. Well-known celebrity and activist for the Me Too movement, Alyssa Milano, will always stand up for believing women. 
except when it's Joe Biden who's being accused of something substantially worse than anything Brett Kavanaugh was ever accused of. Because now Alyssa Milano is explaining why she's endorsing Joe Biden, even though he has been credibly accused. I love that word. They love jamming it in front of the word as if it changes anything. Joe Biden credibly accused. Well, now I get to use it. Joe Biden has been credibly accused. The story between Brett Kavanaugh and Joe Biden is is ridiculously different. No one remembered where Brett Kavanaugh was, where they were, how they got there, who was there. No one remembered any of these things happening. But Christine Blasey Ford insists, and that was enough for Alyssa Milano because she said credibly accused 50 billion effing times. Tried drilling that one into your brain. It's annoying. Yet now when Joe Biden is actually accused by a staffer who says that he, you know, he jammed her up against the wall and did stuff to her. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to downplay the severity of what he did, but I'm trying to keep it a little bit family friendly. Alyssa Milano says, well, you know, Joe Biden's a good guy. So, oh, spare me, you hypocrite. When Tara Reid, the woman who was accusing Biden, went to the Time's Up organization, they said no, because Joe Biden's running for president. That's the excuse they use for every single thing Joe Biden does wrong. Well, but he's running for president. Therefore, we can't say anything. We can't do anything. Well, now we have a new story. She apparently explained why. And in the uh, typical hypocritical fashion, makes a ridiculous nonsense excuse for why she's going to endorse a guy who's been credibly accused. So we have this story from MRCTV, but I want to give you a little bit of the context. Check this out. So actually, that's the old story. I'm sorry. Alyssa Milano supports Joe Biden after tough conversation he had with Detroit worker about guns. This is from March 10th. This woman who accused Joe Biden apparently accused him a long time ago. But Alyssa Milano is still going to endorse Biden. Nobody wants Biden. If you're endorsing him, you're being paid. You're in on the take. I don't believe you. Okay, it's my opinion. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying, come on, man. There have been media reports that were like, Joe Biden does not have dementia. Okay, well, in my opinion, he at least has some form of early onset mental cognitive decline, whatever you want to call it. Of course, they'll try and smear me now for saying that Joe Biden's lost his gourd, but he has. Why you're going to endorse him, you're full of it. But recently, Alyssa Milano was slammed for silence on Joe Biden sexual assault accusation. Well, now we know silence turns into support because instead of calling him out or condemning it, she says, I don't know if it was true. The media would have said something, right? Yeah, right. No, you're lying. We get it. Inquisitor says American actress and Me Too advocate Alyssa Milano is facing a wave of backlash for continuing to push her support for Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden without addressing the accusations of assault levied against him by Tara Reid. On Thursday, Milano maintained her silence and instead posted a Twitter thread in which she doubled down on her demand for Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders to drop out of the race and let the former vice president take on Donald Trump. So a long thread with nothing on the claims of sexual assault against Biden, one user wrote in response. Others pointed to Milano's past comments on assault and the importance of believing survivors. You can't pretend to be the party of the American people and then not support a woman who comes forward with her Me Too story, she previously remarked. Although Milano told Sanders supporters they could not silence her, some suggests some suggested Milano was trying to silence the allegations against Biden. Here's the story Alyssa Milano doesn't want you to see. One user wrote, uh, pointing to Reed's claim that Biden assaulted her in 1993 while working for the former vice president's U.S. Senate office. Others supported Milano and her decision to back Biden, as well as her remarks about the Vermont senator's supporters. That's called grifting. You know, you know the word they like to throw around and accuse everyone of being a grifter? You have no principles. What are you actually protesting for? Nothing. 
You showed up to Brett Kavanaugh's event, not because you didn't like Brett Kavanaugh or you believe women. You're just lying to manipulate people because you're a grifter. You've got some kind of ideological goal. But I'll tell you this. If you do not stand up for what you claim to support in your activism, then I don't think you actually believe in that ideology. I think you're just in it for some kind of notoriety. Brownie points, social media attention, credit. You know, you, you want to go give speeches and give, pay, you know, give paid speeches at colleges, I guess. There's a bunch of reasons why someone might do this. But ultimately, I think they just want to win. They don't care what they're winning. They don't care what the prize is. And they don't care what they hurt. They just want to be like, whatever you say, I'm going to say the opposite of because I'm on that side. There's no principle there. When you look over at whatever side this is where I'm at, you got a bunch of different people. You got Trump supporters, you got moderates, you got the intellectual dark web types, you got anti-feminists, you got actually many leftists, many people who are supporting Bernie Sanders, for instance, not that I think they're always, you know, standing for principle either. But that brings me to the, the main story now. What did she say as her excuse? Here's what, here's what MRC TV writes. If you're a liberal who's thrown all into the believe women, it looks like it's due process for me, but not for thee. Actress turned activist Alyssa Milano, the Me Too torchbearer, who has publicly endorsed Democratic presidential hopeful Joe Biden, went on radio host Andy Cohen's program to explain, they put it in quotes, why she's still supporting the former vice president, even though he was recently accused, uh, excuse me, MCR TV, or um, um, MRC, why, why, why he was recently credibly accused, okay? Credibly, you forgot that word by a former staffer of assaulting her back in the 1990s. After her response, uh, and, and her response should likely be filed next to hypocrisy in the dictionary. Quote, I believe that even though we should believe women, and that, it's a, that, and that is an important thing, and what that really means is that, like, for so long, the go-to has been not to believe them. So we really have to societally change that mindset to believing women. But that doesn't, not at the expense of you know, not giving men their due process. Excuse me? What due process? When Brett Kavanaugh was sitting in the hot seat being accused of something from when he was a teenager, that wasn't, that was ridiculous. They said, it's not about due process. It's about public opinion. It's about whether or not this man should be allowed to sit on the court. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a job interview. The same is true for Joe Biden. What due process are you now talking about? Joe Biden isn't being charged with a crime. We're wondering whether or not the president should be allowed to get away with what he's being accused of. I know Donald Trump's been accused of many things as well. And you love to bring it up, Alyssa Milano, all of the things about Donald Trump. That's fair. 100%. Trump criticize him all day and night. I'll sit back and I'll say, sure. Now do Joe Biden. Ah, what's that? You can't. You're full of it. I got no problem calling out President Trump for being a, an arrogant old man and, and, and all the things he's been accused of. I get it, man. But you know what? I'm tired of. These people are just career pathological liars. That's all they have going for them. Not a single person. You should just come out and be like, yeah, you know, Biden, that's gross. I mean, you, you know what you can say? You can say, well, Trump's worse, I guess. That's the best you could have done. Instead, we can see through this. Do you realize that? There's a reason why people don't trust the media anymore and they're starting to trust Trump more. I know she's not media, but it's just complete and utter BS. There's a reason why Republicans are now more, uh, there's, there's a higher approval rating for Republicans in Congress than Democrats. It's this kind of stuff. It's got to be fair in both directions, she added, saying that it wouldn't be right for her to stop supporting Biden in the absence of a, absence of a full investigation. Mm -hmm. Strange how that works when the shoe is on the Democratic foot, isn't it? When Brett Kavanaugh was accused of assaulting a woman back in high school. Now, now, calm down. 
Like the, the story, but Biden's story is so much worse, so much worse. A 30 year old allegation made by a woman Kavanaugh claims he'd never met, a woman whose named witnesses all categorically denied any knowledge of the incident, and whose gaps in memory created, a ti- created timeline questions and plot holes big enough to drive a semi through, who later admitted to being politically motivated. Milano was all too happy to jump on the bandwagon and bash Kavanaugh as a rapist. But when Biden, whose longstanding habit of getting far too handsy with women and young girls has been well documented, is accused of assaulting a former staffer in the 90s. Then Milano says we should pause, back up a moment, wait for due process. There's a reason most actors and actresses should stick to acting. It's, it's, it's not real. These people aren't real. They're marketing. They're, they're billboards. That's all they are. The reason celebrities are celebrities, it's not because they're talented. Many of them aren't. It's because they want to slap Maybelline on their face and say, buy the product. They might as well put patches all over their body so you can figure out which organization is paying them so you know where their opinions are coming from. I don't know what Alyssa Milano's grand goal is. I can tell you it's certainly not me too. Why should Joe Biden be president? The dude is on, there's a website about this. I don't know. It's, it's like Joe Biden, not info or something. And he just, he's grabbing little girls all the time. He's been called out by real activists many times. Vox.com has written about this. Many left-wing sites have written about it. They have no problem pointing to the fact that Joe Biden is a creepy, lecherous old man, several times worse than Donald Trump. Oh, what's that? Donald Trump said, grab the woman by her. You know what? Joe Biden literally is he's accused of actually doing it. So you want to complain about Donald Trump, and that leaked tape where he's like, women let you grab him by the, you know, fine. I don't care. Criticize him. That's, that's great. Do it with my blessing. Alyssa Milano, Joe Biden's been accused of literally doing it. Would you like to step up now and explain to us why that is okay? Ah, they don't have an answer because there's nothing behind their words. Empty BS, pretending, marketing, whatever it is. I don't know what she wants. You know, I'll give her this one, though. A lot of people, you know, try to claim that she's a washed up actress or whatever. It's like, nah, just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not doing anything. She's been working. So then the reason I bring this up is this could be why she's trying to earn points in Hollywood and build her notoriety so that they hire her for jobs. That's the best I can come up with. I got a couple more segments for you in a few minutes. Stick around. I will see you shortly. Right now, I hope you are all enjoying your free trial to communism. We're seeing the government print money like crazy. Everyone's locked down under authoritarian rules. You can't go outside. You can't party. You'll be fined if you're caught. You better wear a mask. Our free trial hopefully will expire. But in Spain, it's not. They're going to be launching universal basic income in Spain, and their goal is to make it permanent. I'm being a bit facetious. It's not necessarily communism. It's not the same thing. And there are some interesting arguments for universal basic income and some pretty good ones against it. But let's read the story and then we can talk about a recent study, a recent attempt at universal basic income and why it failed. And for many of you probably already know this, but the economics behind it, why they don't work and what what people hope to accomplish. Spain to launch universal basic income soon from the Hill. Spanish economy minister Nadia Calvino said the coronavirus stricken nation intends to implement a universal basic income program as soon as possible to blunt the pandemic's economic impact. Calvino also the nation's deputy prime minister, told Spanish broadcaster La Sexta in, in a Sunday night interview that Spanish Social Security Minister Jose Luis Escriva plans to implement a basic income plan as soon as possible, Bloomberg reported. 
While the immediate goal of the program will be to provide relief to families that have lost income due to the virus related lockdowns, the country is developing it with an eye toward making it making it a resource that stays forever. It becomes a structural instrument, a permanent instrument, she said, according to Bloomberg. Spain's virus outbreak is the second worst in Europe behind Italy, which on Sunday reported a total of 128,948 cases, dipping below Spain's total 135,000. The two have the second and third highest number of cases behind the U.S., which reported 336,000. Now, to be fair, let's let's slow down a little bit. That's like saying all of Europe compared to the U.S. because these are tiny, tiny countries. It would be like you'd have to compare Spain to like New York or something. So in reality, Europe, I think, is much worse off. On Monday, the Spanish health ministry reported the pace of coronavirus deaths fell for the fourth consecutive day with a total of 13,000. We get the numbers. The country's single deaths peaked on Thursday and have been declining since the drop came after Spain surpassed China. The Spanish government has implemented numerous relief policies for companies and self-employed workers affected by pandemic related closures and said more will likely be necessary. So for us, we're hoping that our trial to communism will end. For them, likely going to be permanent. Universal basic income right now doesn't work. It's been tried. It fails. And every time it does, there's some excuse that comes from the universal basic income crowd. The closest I think we've ever seen to a functioning idea as to how it could possibly happen is Andrew Yang. I'm a, I am was a big fan of Andrew Yang. I mean, I, I still think the guy's pretty cool. I have reservations about his universal basic income plan, but I think he had one of the most comprehensive strategies for basically everything. He had, a, he had like an MMA plan. Do you know that? Like on Yang's website, he talks about MMA and like unionizing or something. It's kind of crazy, but he's, he's a relatively smart guy. Talked about a lot of rational things and he, he approached things as kind of a, from a smart position. The problem with UBI is that you are getting to the core root of what drives the economy and you're devaluing it. So the easiest way to explain it, and, and actually before I do, I'm going to show you, uh, I'll, be, I'll be a bit silly. Did you know that uh, thousands of feminists marched in Spain on Women's Day? That's right. On March 8th, feminists defied recommendations from the CDC in Europe and marched anyway. Hmm. Well, men are twice as likely to be impacted, and now they're demanding universal basic income. Conspiracy. I'm just kidding. But this is true. They actually did this. I'm not saying they did it on purpose. That's, that's the joke. Uh, you know, uh, so bear with me. But uh, we have this story from just in uh, December. One of the world's biggest basic income trials, a two-year program in Finland was a major flop. But experts say the test was flawed. And there it is. Every single time they try socialism, it fails. Every hard implementation fails. Every experiment towards it fails. It doesn't work. Universal basic income is just another attempt at something similar to socialism. It does not work. Right now, we're truly learning what is essential and what isn't. Grocery store workers are a million times more valuable than a celebrity right now. We have no problem making fun of celebrities. We are begging for the help of grocery store workers. Think about that for a second. These stores, they're giving pay raises. I kid you not. Not all of them. Here's what Business Insider writes. It wasn't the news that researchers wanted. Two years after Finland launched a basic income trial in which nearly 2,000 unemployed residents were given a regular monthly stipend, many of the recipients remained jobless. The people reported that they were happier and healthier overall than the other unemployed residents, but the experiment was widely declared a failure. It was discouraging to the basic income community, Michael Stein, CEO of the nonprofit Jane Family Institute, told Business Insider. But the survey results, as far as I can tell, are not really usable. Ah, and there it is. 
Indeed, many basic income researchers have pointed out what they see as serious flaws in the study that skewed its conclusions. In an article for Jacobin, Jimmy O'Donnell, a senior researcher assistant at the Brookings Institution, identified a few major problems. Let me stop you right there. Jacobin's a socialist magazine. So of course, they're going to try and justify this like they do with every other socialist nightmare that emerges. I can just tell you why it doesn't work. Why would someone get a job if they don't need to? The problem we have here, and I'll I'll walk you through the basic income thing real quick. Let's say right now someone works at a grocery store. They're making a couple thousand dollars a month working full time. I don't even know if that's fair to say a couple thousand dollars a month. Let's say they're making 1600 bucks a month before taxes. That's a full-time grocery store employee, like 10 bucks an hour, I guess. So now you implement universal basic income. You say everyone's going to get a thousand dollars a month. That person now thinks to themselves, hmm, I'm getting a thousand bucks a month. I'm getting 1600 bucks a month working full-time. I cannot work full-time and get a thousand. I lose that 600 bucks, but I get all the free time in the world. And there's nothing more valuable than time. That's, that's it. Time is life. It's, you get to do stuff. You get to hang out. Send to the stars. Why bother? So they, they stop working. Now the supermarket says, whoa, we're losing our grocery store workers who are essential. How do we get them back? So they start putting job listings. We will pay you 10 bucks an hour. All of a sudden, everyone's quit. So they say, I guess we got to increase how much we pay because they're already getting money from the government. They don't need to work. And this is a low skill job. It's essential, but let's, you know, facing and, and stocking, not, not the hardest jobs in the world. I mean, tedious, frustrating for sure. You know, so anyway, the supermarket will then say, okay, we'll pay 20 bucks an hour. That way you're guaranteed to get more money. All of a sudden now people say, oh man, I do get a thousand bucks from the government, but man, 20 bucks an hour for this job. I'll work a little bit. Then I'll get more income and then I can buy the things I want. So now all of a sudden the store has doubled the cost of labor, which means every product in the store goes up in cost to accommodate the labor required to stock and face, to put everything on the shelves. And now what happens? These people who are working start complaining. The thousand dollars I'm getting from the government doesn't even buy me a cheeseburger anymore. The cost of cheeseburgers have gone up. McDonald's, for instance, same thing. So universal basic income doesn't work. We want it to, but there are some really, really good arguments that we need to, we need to consider. First, to be fair, we spend a ridiculous amount of money on the prison system. And there's actually been people who have argued that if someone breaks the law, we should pay them money. I'm not kidding. Think about how much it costs for someone to go to jail, right? The argument is under UBI, there would be problems, there would be rapid inflation. But think about this, with, with people having minimal access to some goods, they're less likely to commit crimes. A lot of uh, poverty breeds crime, uh, crime, for instance. It wouldn't guarantee it, but it would definitely reduce crimes of desperation, not crimes of opportunity. The argument is, if we're going to spend $30,000 a year or more on a jail cell inmate or a prison inmate, why don't we just give them $15,000 a year, but say, but if you commit another crime, you lose all that money. Then they're less likely to commit crimes because they're like, man, I'm getting paid. If I commit a crime, I lose this. Now the, now, the problem with it is on the surface, you understand how it's supposed to function. All you would really do is incentivize people to be first time criminals and then just go back to living a normal life to get access to UBI. So it doesn't work. They then say the argument is then to give everyone access to UBI and you lose it if you commit a crime. That also sounds like a good idea. The problem is rapid inflation. You'll have to keep increasing the amount of money you're giving people every single month to, to keep up with the dramatic and rapid inflation. And it's akin to currency manipulation. It's just not going to work. 
What's what's actually happening here is that the amount of money these people have makes no difference. It's the amount of it's the amount we value minimal labor, like low skilled labor. That's all that really matters. So you can change the number, you can manipulate the number. But if I don't value low skill labor, then I'm not going to pay for it. If I really need it, I'll pay more for it. Giving someone money doesn't change that. All you're doing is giving them access to the economy without having provided any energy into the economy. It, is, it, it just doesn't make sense. You're trying to create a perpetual motion machine. It doesn't work. It can't work. There are some interesting ideas, however. Voucher systems for schools. Perhaps we can't do a universal basic income blanket system, but perhaps we can allocate tax spending through universal voucher type systems. You choose which utility company you want to use. You choose which police department you choose at school. So the government will tax everybody and then give people vouchers based on the utilities they're granted access to or guaranteed access to. I'll tell you this. It didn't work. There have been studies after studies after studies. It doesn't work. So Spain, go for it. But what do you think is going to happen? Spain's got porous borders. We see videos all the time of people rushing into Spain. Are they going to create a surf class? People who are citizens of Spain or the EU will get guaranteed access. What if Spain implements this UBI and someone lives in France and they say, I'll just move to Spain because it's part of the Schengen zone. Now I get a free check. It doesn't make sense. These plans are ridiculous. They'll abandon it. But we'll see how it plays out. Maybe I'm wrong. I got one more segment for you coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. We have a very serious update on the health of Boris Johnson. According to numerous press reports, he has been admitted to intensive care in the hospital. Yesterday it was announced he was going to the hospital because he does have the coronavirus. Now he's in intensive care. My understanding is right now, we'll, we'll, we'll read this, but the quick gist for those that are just popping in, he is not being ventilated yet. He is conscious, but they're, they're moving him in, into the space. I want to talk to you today about how serious this is. And there are some countries, notably Sweden, who have downplayed this. And I want to let you know how serious it really is. Let's read the story because I want to waste your time with, you know, the normal rant I usually do. Let's read this and then we can talk. We can talk about politics. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson moved to intensive care. This is from WKYT. They report Johnson's office says Johnson is conscious, conscious and does not require ventilation at the moment. Johnson was admitted to St. Thomas's Hospital late Sunday, 10 days after he was diagnosed with COVID-19. Quote, over the course of this afternoon, the condition of the prime minister has worsened. And on the advice of his medical team, he has been moved to the intensive care unit at the hospital. His office said in a statement, it said Johnson has asked Foreign Secretary Dominic Robb to deputize him. This is a breaking news update. Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson said he was in good spirits Monday after spending the night in a London hospital where he was admitted with the new coronavirus. There was no indication of how long Johnson Johnson might be might remain hospitalized. The prime minister's spokesman said Johnson had spent a comfortable night and remained in charge of government despite being admitted to St. Thomas Hospital after COVID-19 symptoms of a cough and fever persisted 10 days after he was diagnosed. I probably should have said, I probably should have said this in the beginning. Most of you, I'm assuming you know who this guy is. He is the current, I believe, current prime minister of uh, the UK. I don't know a lot about British politics. This is very, very serious, though. Hoping for the best. Let's keep reading. Johnson sent out a tweet thanking the National Health Service for taking care of him and others in this difficult time. On the advice of my doctor, I went into the hospital for some routine tests as I'm still experiencing coronavirus symptoms, Johnson said in one tweet. I'm in good spirits and keeping in touch with my team as we work together to fight the virus and keep everyone safe. Johnson's spokesman, James Slack, refused to say what kind of tests Johnson was undergoing. He insisted that the PM remains in charge of the government. He is receiving updates in hospital 
and is continuing to receive a ministerial red box of files and briefing papers. The 55-year-old leader has been quarantined in his Downing Street residence since being diagnosed with COVID-19 on March 26, the first known head of government to fall ill with the virus. He continued to preside at daily meetings on the outbreak until Sunday and has released several video messages during his 10 days in isolation. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab chaired the meeting, uh, chaired the meeting Monday. Britain has no official post of deputy prime minister, but Raab has been designated to take over should Johnson become incapacitated. Speaking at the government's uh, daily coronavirus press briefing, Rob said Johnson was being regularly updated, but admitted he had not spoken to him since Saturday. He's in charge, but he'll continue to take doctor's advice on what to do next. Johnson was admitted to the hospital as a message as a message to the national from Queen Elizabeth II was being broadcast Sunday evening. The 93-year-old monarch urged the public to show resolve and follow the and follow advice to stay inside. Concern had been growing about Johnson's welfare ever since he posted a message Friday saying that he was feeling better, though was still feverish. The virus causes mild to moderate symptoms for most people, but for some, especially older adults and the infirm, it can cause pneumonia and lead to death. The government said Monday that 51,608 people had been confirmed to have the coronavirus in Britain, 5,373 of whom have died. One of the advantages of being in the hospital is that it will allow doctors to directly monitor Johnson's condition. Derek Hill, a professor of medical imaging science at University College London, said that since COVID-19 causes difficulty breathing, one test performed on people with the disease is lung imaging with ultrasound or CT scans to see how badly they might be infected. Some people are rapidly discharged, he said. Some others can quickly deteriorate and need help breathing. We have no reason to believe the PM needs such help. Hill said there are various types of breathing help depending on the person and the difficulties. The reason some people get seriously ill with COVID-19 while others have minor symptoms is not yet fully understood. But doctors managing these patients report that more men than women have serious problems and patients who are overweight or have previous health problems are at higher risk. I'm going to give you my opinion. First and foremost, I seriously, uh, um, I'm hoping for the quick recovery. I hope this is uh, not necessary. Presumably, I mean, we can only assume it is. My bigger concern, and, and, and again, I'll stress, you know, please, Mr. Uh, Mr. Johnson, Prime Minister, get better. Or I think everyone, hopefully everyone is, is, is rooting for the best. But my concern is that as a head of state, they're not going to tell us whether or not he's actually seriously ill or critically ill or in needing a ventilation. In fact, they're going to try and assure every, everybody that things are OK. I think it's fair to say there's probably at least some assumption he's being moved to the ICU because things are getting serious. They wouldn't tell us, in my opinion. I'm not British. You know, I'm not British. I know that there's contentious politics in Britain similar to the U.S., but I seriously hope that any sane, rational person is hoping for him to get better. But I'm scared. I, I'm going to say it. You know, there are a lot of people who don't want him to get better. That's freaky. But we see it on Twitter all the time. This brings me to the to another story that I think it's 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 relatively similar. Sweden suffers its biggest daily jump in coronavirus deaths after PM warned of thousands more victims. Seventy six more people die, taking total to four hundred and seventy seven amid backlash at government's refusal to order a lockdown. There are many people who are not taking this seriously. Sweden is one of the, is a country not taking it seriously, and they will regret it. There are a lot of people who are on the right or conservative that don't think this is a very serious threat. You are wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Boris Johnson is not being admitted to the ICU because there's some grand conspiracy. The dude got sick. This is real. If anything, I know people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but if anything, I think COVID is way worse than people are letting on. 
I think they're desperately trying to stop a mass panic from breaking out. I really do think so. I hear these stories on Twitter from people who got it, who weren't able to go to the hospital. I don't think the governments are building these hospitals because they think nothing's going to happen. Now, the projections were higher than what we're seeing right now, according to many different metrics. Yeah, I think a lot of people in government think the ends justify the means. That's a mistake. They think telling people we're going to see a million dead uh, when it's really going to be a couple hundred thousand. They're hoping that people will take it more seriously. But I'm not entirely convinced. I think they're just wrong. Or it could be that our social, social distancing measures are doing better. But based on the stories I've read and based on what we're seeing now with, with Boris Johnson, I really do think it's worse than people realize. Boris Johnson's story is similar to many other people's stories that they got sick, started getting feverish and coughing, started getting better, but then all of a sudden got hit hard fast again. And it puts him in the hospital. So to the people who just don't believe it because the hospitals aren't loading up, we caught this early enough. Keep that in mind. At the end of March, there, were, there, was, there was relatively few dead. Now we're over 10,000. That's exponential growth. To the people who, are, who, who believe that there, you know, there's, there's a rumor going around they're classifying any potential death as COVID to jack the numbers up, that's just ridiculous because the amount of people dying in New York is substantially higher than it would be on average. So if they're not dying of the coronavirus, what are they dying from? Take this very seriously. Boris Johnson is in the ICU. Now we here in America... I've got some potential good news in that front. We have the benefit of having a president who is a germaphobe, a notorious germaphobe. Trump doesn't like touching, you know, it's so he apparently only eats fast food because he here's what I here's what I've heard. This, this is what I've been told by journalists. He thinks that fast food restaurants have uniform standards and being a germaphobe, he thinks he's less likely to get sick eating fast food than he would be going to a mom and pop restaurant or even an upscale restaurant because McDonald's has corporate certified across the board standards. I'm not saying I agree with it or he's right, but I'm not surprised Trump hasn't gotten sick. Apparently he's taken, I think, two tests now. He's come up negative. Yeah, the dude's a germaphobe. So he's going to wipe everything down. He's not going to want to touch stuff. It's really working out. There's this actually, there's actually this uh, funny viral video that's gone out where Trump is standing at the podium Man, this really does prove Trump is a germaphobe. Dr. Burks mentions that she recently had a fever and then Trump looks at her, you know, furls his brown, goes, nope, nope, nope. And he walks right along. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny, but it's good. It's actually the opposite of what Boris Johnson was saying. And, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, drag uh, the, the prime minister, but he was talking about how he was still shaking hands and going about his business. And people mocked him because he ended up contracting the coronavirus. Not cool, man. Look, the dude's a head of state. He's trying to do what he's got to do. He's shaking hands probably was a mistake. I hope he gets better. But let's think about the real ramifications of what happens when a head of state or, or like in the US, a military vessel ends up infected. We had that, we had that aircraft carrier. They, they basically, uh, they discharged. I, I don't know to what extent they removed him from command, the captain of this aircraft carrier for saying, you know, we're sick because there's a concern he's letting our adversaries know our military is being weakened. Keep that in, take that into consideration. Now look at what's going on with Boris Johnson. Do you think the UK would want any other country to know that they're in serious dire straits, that there's something wrong with, 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 with Boris Johnson. No, they're going to say, well, we're moving him there just in case, but he's okay. In all likelihood, it's probably much worse than they're letting on. And, and the information you're getting should signal something worse. Now, it could be he's fine, and I'm hoping that he is. I hope this doesn't reach other governments. But I think there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot going on right now that could bring us to full-scale war. This is one of them. When, when a government's head of state gets sick, it's not the end of the world, but it's showing the stress impacting these countries 
And this could result in drastic action as many countries are short on medical supplies. People, you know, Trump invoked the, uh, uh, the Defense Production Act saying 3M should stop sending out the masks to other countries. The same thing's happening in Europe. There have already been shipments going through France that were impounded by the French government. I believe they were released. But if a head of state is getting sick, if this is spreading and people are desperate, that's when things break down and get scary. I'm wishing for the best. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I will see you all then.